0: Go ahead and uh, get started. I feel like we don't need these microphones, but we'll use them anyway. Uh, just make, make sure you can hear us. Uh, thank you for being here. It's really been fun for us to get to talk to some of the, our staff uh, and, that have been putting on these sessions and just hear the joy and fun of getting to be with you all and just having folks that are advocates for God's design for marriage and so this has really been a fun thing for us to get to put on I'm my name is Kyle Thompson and uh, this is Beau fournette and we are uh, service two of the elders here at watermart and uh, so it's fun for us to get engaged in all different realms here but especially this whole uh, marriage area and so uh, just to give you a little bit of background I'll, I'll tell you kind of the format of what we were thinking about we'd uh, do this afternoon uh, is give you a little bit of, of uh, information about how we landed on uh, the pastoral position paper that you have. And then Bo and I'll kind of walk you through the different sections of that just at a high level. Uh, we won't go into all the scriptures, but we've got all the scripture references that we use for each section. And then hopefully we'll have about... Uh, uh, 30 minutes or so uh, 20 or 30 minutes for some Q&A just dialogue any anything that we talk about anything you want to ask us about then we're glad to to uh, engage with you on and so um, you may have heard this uh, in one of the other sessions but our goal as a church is to always uh, be biblical so we want to be firm where the Bible is firm and flexible where the Bible is flexible uh, the Bible is our authority, conscience, and guide. And so everything we come up with, obviously, is rooted in that. And uh, the reason we formalized our position on this whole marriage, divorce, and remarriage. And so we've been around since, uh, you know, right around 2000 for almost 15 years. And we did not formalize uh, a position, if you will, until uh, the fall, last fall. And, you know, as we went through and dealt in all our different ministries, not, not just uh, reengage and merge, but also regeneration and really permeates every aspect of what we do, this whole area of marriage, uh, divorce and remarriage. And so we felt like as we continued to equip our leaders, uh, we needed to have clarity on where we stood. So that uh, folks, as they engaged in different situations, uh, would, we'd be able to be consistent. And, uh, and so that process, we know that uh, in our culture, there's a lot of misinformation. In our Christian culture, there's a lot of positions that aren't necessarily rooted uh, in the Bible. And so... Anyway, we spent a lot of time, even with the marriage staff that you've uh, gotten to meet, uh, we involved them to some extent as well. And so, uh, what we've done, that paper that you'll see, uh, is culmination of well over three years uh, that we spent as elders wrestling through that. Both (laughs) us, personally, as we wrestled through the scriptures and our own convictions, and then... uh, widening the circle with other uh, leadership of other churches and where they came out on this. And then us coming back together and just gaining clarity and uh, a collective conviction that culminated in that paper. And uh, so what we'll do is we'll walk you through that marriage, divorce, remarriage paper. I know most of you probably hadn't seen it until now. And so that's a resource for you to take. Uh, But we'll at a high level again uh, give you um, um, just a feel for those different sections of where we come out. And so, Father, thank you uh, for the ways that we don't have to figure this out on our own. And just the way you give us uh, a guide uh, that's clear with your word. And uh, just the ways that even when things don't make sense for us, uh, we can trust you. And so I thank you for... Just the way you've grown us as a leadership and as a church as we've wrestled through uh, this area. We thank you that marriage was your idea. It's your design and the ways that you um, uh, really designed it to set us up uh, just for a great life as we yield uh, to you in the roles and what you intended. And Mm -hmm. so just pray for our time uh, just as we walk through that. And just for clarity that you'd use this as a way to encourage folks and uh, just for them to gain clarity. And so thank you for just the ways that we get to love on people in a multitude of situations. And we always want to do that the same way that you model with compassion and tenderness and patience and forbearance and uh, forgiveness. And so thank you for just the ways that we need first and foremost your forgiveness and provision to have relationship with you through Christ. Amen.
1: So the, I think the backdrop uh, for our philosophy is really understanding uh, the gospel and the broader message of Scripture, uh, which pervades how we think about all of the things in, in our, our view on marriage, divorce, and remarriage, uh, which is the gospel of recon- reconciliation that there is a ministry of reconciliation in all we do. You've seen that in the uh, the regen stuff, or if you've looked at some of the th- stuff we're doing with our newly marrieds, reconciliation is at the core of it. We think that um, a, a sinful man uh, continues to be pursued by a forgiving God, and that our picture in response to that is one of reconciliation. Uh, and so... Um, We have a a father that that leaves the 99 for the one and comes back and celebrates that. And that is really pervading all we do in this stance. And so uh, Kyle will start with the marriage and then we'll just go back and forth sharing each section uh, in this document.
0: And so as you see in the document, we start with marriage and just God's high view of marriage and just the ways that it is created by God. It's a covenant commitment for life between one man and one woman. Uh, who freely commit to follow Christ and freely commit to each other. And just the picture of his unconditional love through Christ, uh, it's based on love initiated by action, having nothing to do with our feelings. It's not about the performance or actions of our spouse. And so you can see the passages we use, Genesis 2, Ephesians 5, uh, and the others that we use just to support God's view of marriage.
1: And the uh, topic of divorce, I want to start by reading uh, the second paragraph that's in here just to make sure that uh, we we clearly convey the heart of this, which says, uh, Just as the pain of divorce permeates our culture, it likewise permeates the church. And so with sensitive hearts, we weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn as a result of divorce. Given the tremendous emotional pain involved with this topic, we seek to be clear, compassionate, and careful when sharing our convictions. Our heart is to be faithful to God's word and loving to God's people, consistent with the core values of our body. We want to be firm where scripture is firm and flexible where it is flexible, remaining vigilant in our responsibility, to shepherd, well, the flock of God among us, while appropriately trusting each individual's convictions to our father. Uh, And so... The, the concept of divorce, we believe, is man created, it's not God's design, and it's not God's best. And, and clearly in Matthew nineteen three to 8, which we'll um, review in a little bit, we see that um, from the beginning it was not so. Um, the result of sin um, is what you see in divorce, that that's behind that and leading to that. Uh, we believe that divorce is rarely permissible, um, that while it's not permissible— uh, in most circumstances, and that is the result of sin, we also have a father that loves everyone. And so uh, separating the the concept of divorce from any follower of Christ and God's love for them or our love for them. Uh, we think the one clear allowance uh, for divorce in Scripture is in 1 Corinthians 7, uh, verses 12 to 16, where a believer grants a divorce uh, to a non-believing spouse that requests that divorce, where it's initiated uh, by the non-believer. And importantly, in that circumstance or any other uh, divorce that might happen, whether we believe that it's um, biblically substantiated or not, is that it's not the end of the process. Uh, That is just a step in the call of reconciliation, uh, which is why we separate uh, the concept of divorce from the idea of remarriage or pursuing another person.
0: And so uh, right out of the chute, uh, we deal with a whole sexual immorality issue. And so I'm going to read uh, Matthew 19:3 through nine, just for context. And then we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, get my glasses on. Uh, and so, some Pharisees came to Jesus, testing him and asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? And he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What? What? therefore god has joined together let no man separate and so we would say the answer to the question of uh, posed in verse three jesus answers that in verse four and says no Uh, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife so he's telling them no then verse seven then they said to him why then did moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away and he said to them because of your hardness of heart uh, or sin, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it has not been this way and I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another woman commits adultery and so uh, what you 'll see in our document is that uh, you know and often this this matthew nineteen nine verse is referred to as the exception clause, and uh, mentioning sexual immorality, not adultery. Per se, That's a type of sexual immorality, but using the, the, the term pornea, uh, which is a broader term. And so uh, we, uh, as we approach that, we want to make sure that we read that in context and in light of all other scripture. And so we approach that in light of, uh, again, as Bo said from the start, that, uh, uh, that God is a God of reconciliation, of restoration, of forgiveness and uh, you see that in matthew 18 you see it in ephesians 4 and that that verse 9 is not a permission slip or a loophole or a get out of jail free card uh that uh, uh if that were the case then uh and I'm, I'm sure as you heard the talks you recognize that we deal head on with just the fact that uh Uh, whether it's pornography or whatever else is rampant in our society and so if sexual immorality uh, is a loophole for divorce then 99.9% of our body uh, would be able to divorce because of sexual immorality and so uh, we are committed to a process of forgiveness uh, reconciliation in a way that moves towards repentance and restoration and so we recognize that every situation is different uh it's why for us community is such a key because uh when you are in the midst uh and as we all get to love on people and have been loved on uh, just in the midst of our disobedience that uh, we have to be real careful and very pastoral as we walk folks through situations where i've got whatever level of unfaithfulness it is and uh you know, recognizing that we're shepherding them towards a restoration process, but also recognizing um, just the the depth of hurt that comes from uh, immorality, sexual immorality, and uh, and so uh, we re- you know we recognize that when we're in the midst of a situation like that, that you know we if you knew how i felt then you would know why this is uh the logical step for me if you knew the hopelessness that i've had to live in and just the ways that that covenant has been broken and breached and so we're again we're real careful in the way we shepherd folks through that but uh you'll see all the passages we use for context with that um and again it's it's uh, so so my 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 own personal story uh, involves a history of adultery and so you heard susan cox a number of different folks uh where we've got uh situations where god is a god of hope that he brings dead things back to life and so that is how we approach uh this whole area that's how we view matthew nineteen nine in that context and um, and so we would not say that's uh, an exception clause or exception
1: verse uh, so the next uh, area where people ask about um, permissibility of a divorce is on the topic of abandonment, which I, I mentioned earlier. Um, and so starting there is whenever we're counseling people to get married, uh, the whole idea that Second uh, Corinthians 6.14 or a number of other places speak of the importance of being equally yoked. Um, and that is clearly um, God's ideal and his plan uh, for the believer. Uh, but once you're married, what happens if you're married to a non-believer. Um, 1 Corinthians 7 is the, the section that most addresses this. In verses 12 through 14 is clear that um, if a believer finds himself in that circumstance, um, God's best in the calling for the believer is to remain married. And God speaks there of how he could use that for good. And then in verse 15, it says, but if the non-believer requests a divorce, so they pursue the divorce, um, then not only can you, but you're called to uh, give that divorce uh, to the non-believing spouse that that requests that. Uh, and so that's the the spot where we land on abandonment. Um, and then, you know, we get into a lot of uh, conversations where somebody comes to us as a part of our body that's already divorced. Um, and they feel, well, hey, the person that I divorced, I don't think is a believer and um, And so they abandoned me. they asked for the divorce, and so we have to obviously wrestle through that, understand what the circumstances are, uh, and figure out whether or not that 's the um, the appropriate path to go down um, or if that 's the emotions that are coming out and so it just takes time uh, with the person involved
0: and so the next area we address uh, is the whole realm of abuse and um... You know, again, the goal is the same that we've already talked about. It's the process of forgiveness, uh, reconciliation, uh, repentance, and restoration. Uh, But at the same time, in the midst of moving through that process, uh, we never want to recommend that a spouse stay physically in a physically abusive situation that threatens them or their children. And so, uh, again, we feel like our role as we care and shepherd folks is we want to help protect them physically if they're in the midst of a physically abusive situation. And, again, uh, you can broaden that because every situation is different. But we do support appropriate means to bring uh, physical abuse to a halt, uh, whether that be church discipline uh, whether it be police action, whether it be a court order, uh, or any other type of intervention uh, that we can help the church bring, whether it's friends and families, uh, family, whatever it might be.
1: Uh, and then the the last uh, section before we have a, a section on the what does it mean around uh, serving as part of our body is the question of remarriage and, and when is a uh, second marriage permissible. And so, once again, I'll go back to the first thing we said, which is the guiding principle for us around the, the idea of remarriage is a ministry of reconciliation. Um, and we want to make sure that everything we're doing is a step towards and um, being available for reconciliation. Um, so, with that, we would say that divorce is uh, not de facto permission uh, for future remarriages to other people, um, those are two separate. Um, instances. We believe that uh, Scripture provides uh, one very clear allowance uh, for remarriage, which is in 1 Corinthians 7.39, uh, when one is a widow, uh, where um, Paul writes there uh, that they are no longer bound and then also says they are free to marry and then speaks about the potential pros of not getting remarried, uh, but clearly provides permissibility. Um, An area where we think that um, Remarriage is permissible, but with us processing that before we would just buy and say it's a, it's a policy and we don't need to have a conversation, is if the former spouse is remarried. And so you're divorced, the former spouse is, is remarried, and you're now wanting to uh, marry somebody else. Um, and so the, what, what is supportive there is that the ministry of reconciliation or remarrying the former spouse um, has now ended because that spouse is married to someone else Um, And so there we want to just make sure that we are counseling and preparing for marriage and make sure that there's anything uh, that that spouse had done in contributing to that previous divorce or any uh, resentment or unresolved conflict that they own, that we help them with that to prepare them for any any future marriage. Um, Other than those two instances, um, we have a position that, we are not going to support a remarriage. Uh, and so uh, I'll note a couple of different passages and, and common areas where people ask questions. Um, 1 Corinthians 7.10 talks about potentially getting divorced and it says there to remain single or otherwise otherwise reconciled to your spouse. And so the beginning of 1 Corinthians 7 that speaks a lot of marriage and remarriage starts with that. And then people talk about the no longer bound clause where First uh, Corinthians 7, 15, when it says that um, the spouse has been abandoned by a non-believing spouse and they grant a the divorce, it says that they are no longer bound. And then later in verse 39 is where for the widow uh, whose spouse has died, it says you're no longer bound, you're free to remarry. And so a lot of people will interpret those to say the same thing Um and We do not have comfort uh, that there is clarity to support that stance uh, for two reasons. Uh, One is there are two different words used for bound in 715 and 739. Uh, It's not the same word if you look at the original text. And then, secondly, in 739, where it speaks of the widow, it goes on to say, and you're free to remarry. And then earlier, whenever it was being abandoned, it doesn't make that statement and precedes that by speaking of ending a marriage outside of of, uh, death and saying, don't remarry unless you remarry your other spouse. And so we don't feel the comfort, uh, the take the liberty of using that as a support for remarriage. And once again, the guiding principle there is the concept of reconciliation and a ministry of reconciliation.
0: And so we, we added uh, the last part of this paper uh, that you'll see in, that's in uh, italics. And the reason we did is, uh, you know, as you heard Bo articulate, we, we recognize that there are some aspects of what we're talking about that are that are gray, you know, and that folks that are fully committed uh, to God's word and his people uh and his spirit can land differently than we do and so we wanted to make sure that we were extending grace uh just in the midst of our body with folks that might process through all of this in a way that their heart is yielded to god but they just land in a different place and so we added this last section and so you heard bo talk about uh just the fact that we we uh We never want to be part of preventing uh, what God may do through repentance, uh, reconciliation, and restoration of a marriage. And so that drives a lot of where we land on this. And, you know, while restoration is still a possibility, uh, we want to do all we can to encourage that restoration, uh, and and so as a result of that, okay. So we're we're going to throw this into a Romans fourteen category, and, and so we, which is just the fact that we're not uh, we want to be careful that we're not doing anything that we're not fully convinced is God's best because we know we are accountable for that. And so what we've done is we've asked our staff. Uh, that are under our responsibility and our leadership, and we've asked for folks that are going to use our facility, that uh, if a remarriage, you know, if someone divorced, does not fall in one of the two categories that, that Bo mentioned, either there was a death of the former spouse or the former spouse is remarried such that reconciliation is no longer possible. And so... Uh, uh, that if they fit in one of the, those two categories and we feel great about them getting married, we can celebrate that they're wedded to Christ well and uh, then we're, we're willing to allow our staff and for our facility to use to be used for those marriages. If they're not, then uh, because we're not fully convinced that that, that, that that is God's best and since we are accountable uh, for where we land, then... We ask that our staff not do those weddings, and we don't do those weddings here, but we're not saying that those people are in sin. Uh, we're just saying we, we don't feel clean about participating in that. And so an analogy we use, when you throw it into a Romans 14 area, uh, you know, it's uh, something that's much different but similar in the way we think about it is uh, we have a lot of people that get married That have wedding receptions. We have a lot of people that get married. That have wedding receptions. That have alcohol. And so we don't say that. Hey if you have alcohol at your wedding reception. You're in sin. But what we do say. Is that we're not going to host. A wedding reception on our property. Where drinking is involved. Because we're not fully convinced. That all the things that are going to happen there. Are going to be glorifying to God. And so uh we don't they may be we're not saying they're not we're just we know we're accountable for everything that happens here and so we would ask you to if if that's a non-starter for you then we're not able to host your wedding reception but invite us and we'll come to your wedding reception we'll come to your wedding uh but uh we have a different level of accountability for what happens here and so again that's different uh, but, it's, uh, but that is a Romans 14 issue. And so there's a number of things <clears throat> like that uh, where we fall out on. And, th- and that's the category that we put this in. And so, again, we want to extend grace and respect to those members that understand God's revealed world uh, word differently to provide for broader freedom. And so we ask them also to extend us grace in where we land. And uh, we've also tried to make sure that uh, as those folks remarry and come back to serve here, we know that uh, as we ask folks to to teach and lead with where we land on this, we know that sometimes it can be problematic if someone lands differently. And so we just ask them not to lead in an area where that's going to be a problem. Uh, that that's going to be an issue. But it doesn't mean you're not qualified to lead. And it doesn't mean that you're in sin, therefore you can't lead. There's just some practical aspects to leadership. Uh, and so, anyway, that that's kind of at a high level, uh, the rails that we felt like we needed to put out there for our staff and for our leaders to run on in this whole area of marriage, divorce, and remarriage. And so Bo and I are, you know, we've got a good... 30 plus minutes and so uh if you have any questions on that uh then we are happy to dialogue with you and we spent you know Bo and I did this with all of our leaders in our marriage ministries back in the fall we had I don't know Bo to a couple of hundred at least leaders two or three hundred leaders here and we spent I don't know over two hours because uh, there's as we all know there's a multitude of complexities to all this and every situation is different so if we could serve you all uh by dialoguing with questions or any aspect and then, then we're happy to do that yes sir you want me to answer that sure. okay and so uh so yes they do so we uh, uh, you, you got to hear from Scott Kadersha, who leads our premarital ministry. And so uh, we love for folks to go through our merge class. Uh, after that, there's a two-on-two uh, discipleship process. And then we really give uh, our all of our staff a lot of discretion as they walk through and counsel those folks into whether or not we think they're they 're ready for marriage, and so you know there's a high level of trust. but if it falls in one of these categories, uh, then obviously it's outside the fairway. but if it's inside the fairway if, if you know within the context of what we've put out there, uh, then we give them a lot of discretion. But to be married here, we were talking earlier with someone, and so we we have so much demand for merit for weddings that uh, typically it's people that are members here or uh, if your parents are, are members, and uh, and you go through our merge process and our disciples two-on-two discipleship process, uh, and it just happens to be that you're not members here, you're yoked somewhere else, or you're going to live in, you know, in Abilene or uh, Greenville, South Carolina, or somewhere else, uh, but your parents are here, then we're you know there's there's some flexibility there. Uh, yes, sir. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, Becky. I'm sorry. So that if you if you couldn't hear and you didn't know, uh, and so that was just asking what our process was uh, for people that are married here or that our staff married. So yes, sir. I'm sorry.
1: I'm sure. So we uh, the question was, um, what do we do with staff if there are cla- if they. Um, aren't aligned with this, or how do we get them aligned? And so um, back in the fall, uh, we spent a lot of time with our staff uh, reviewing um, our policy, trying to answer their questions, and providing clarity. Um, After spending a lot of time on that, we had alignment uh, on this. I do think that uh, there are some people on staff that on certain aspects of this would individually land at a different spot, um, but they are comfortable supporting our position, um, teaching consistent with our position when it's relevant to uh, their area of service, and then officiating a wedding only consistent with our policy. Um, But there was was honestly not a lot of conflict um, around the subject, Um, but we had to invest a lot of time so everybody understood really the heart behind why we landed where we land, and importantly, um, making clear that if somebody did not land where we landed, it wasn't an issue where we were saying that was sin. It was saying that we couldn't with a clear conscience say, we're going to support that position, and we're going to extend grace to others, and we ask them to extend us grace. And I think that heart behind it was really important uh, to make sure that we had unity around the subject.
0: Chris to Jim.
1: Sure. So the question is, uh, what do you do if uh, there is physical abuse or danger of physical abuse and you're in a jurisdiction that doesn't allow for the concept of illegal separation and so it's difficult to um, protect the abused or the potentially abused? And so uh, we are aware of that uh, being here in Texas, and we had a, a couple of cases in, in this realm uh, back in the fall, one with physical abuse and one with, uh, with drugs and danger with the kids. And so we went and we met with some attorneys um, that uh, were aligned with us to make sure that we clearly understood the law and we weren't just relying upon what we were hearing. Uh, and it became clear to us that, that, best of our understanding, we had to have certain documents filed in a divorce proceeding um, to protect the spouse uh, where we largely understood that until the, the wife was actually physically abused, that you couldn't have the same protections if there had been acts of violence but not something that was reportable. And so we actually encouraged uh, or provided our blessing to, uh, to the wife to proceed with the divorce proceedings. We met with the attorney um, and had included in the written petition for divorce that she wanted to pursue divorce as the best means for reconciliation. Um, and then we asked her, and she committed to um, being content in singleness, praying for her spouse, and um, then pursuing reconciliation with him. Um, and then similarly with the drugs, we had to be able to go through the court process to be able to have the, the proper testing to make sure that the children were, were safe uh, while they were living while they were with the father during separation time
0: okay. yes, sir, in the back okay, so the question was how did how did we share that with our members and oh and and solicited feedback and so so the the process the process was very interactive with our staff. And so we have, uh, you know, 100 plus staff. And so as we started to, to gain clarity on this, uh, then we walked through uh, one morning, you know, every aspect, every angle of this with our staff uh, and, made sh- and, and wanted to listen and get feedback. Not only uh, with our conviction, but, I, but obviously also how it got drafted in a, in a form. Knowing that there are a lot of people that are going to read this that don't necessarily know our heart, and so that the next step uh, after that was, uh, as I mentioned earlier, just getting all of our marriage leaders. If you are a leader in, you know, in uh, divorce care, and in, in reengage, and merge, in regen, you know, and anyone else that wanted to come. Uh, and we did a, an evening where we walked through the document. We, had, we let them read it in advance so that they could uh, discern what questions they might have. And then after we did all that, uh, then we put it on our website. We, we were uh, torn initially about whether or not to even put it on our website. Again, recognizing that a lot of folks were going to read this in isolation, not with our ability to explain the heart of it. But at the end of the day, we felt like it would serve our body best to have it on our website. And so uh, we also recognize that the execution happens, uh, you know, at a, at a different level. We, we jump into some of these meetings, but a lot of it happens with your, um, your staff and your leaders. And so we wanted to make sure that they were well equipped to, to be in the midst of those conversations uh, and not just rely on us.
1: And I'll just note on top of that, um, we made sure anybody that had questions coming out of that, we redirected them to our marriage ministry staff and said, meet with them. And then after you meet, if there are still questions or concerns, then we would love to meet with you. Uh, but let's make sure you have all your questions answered and you're not assuming things. And... Um, It's been rare, I can't think of a specific one, where something has come back to us, uh, where there wasn't a clear understanding of where we want to extend grace and where we were asking for grace from people that had different perspectives. And so uh, that's really worked well. And uh, this gentleman in the brown shirt. So the question is uh, people that have a, a different interpretation of the allowance for, for remarriage of uh, it's been long enough. I want to move forward. And if we had uh, conflict or challenges with uh, some of our members with that. Um, it takes a lot of conversations, um, not emails, but face to face discussions um, with those that um, are closest to the situation. And making sure people understand that um, we, we have a position around um, avoiding confusion with marriages um, at our facility or with our staff. Uh, and then separating that from where they might have a conviction that that's okay. Um, us trying to extend them grace. And then being clear that we would love for you to jump into a foundation group with newly marrieds. We want to invest in your marriage. Uh, If you're married, then we want what's best for that marriage. And in the broad realm of of opportunities to uh, serve in our church, nearly all of them are still available to you. Um, And those that we're going to ask you not to serve in today, um, after a season, if we have alignment with your comfort of standing for and teaching our stance on this, if it's relevant in that area of ministry, uh, then we want to afford you those freedoms as well. And and most people uh, have have understood that um, and felt comfortable with the freedom that we've given them and extending us the freedom that that we're requesting, um, but we'll certainly have some people who are discouraged by that. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Appreciate
0: you guys. One more, on the mm Yeah, and so you know that that um, we're, we're taking a um, we're trying to take a consistent. Th- there are verses we don't fully understand. You know, I, the, the, the 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 issue of the Matthew 19. I know you're talking about the Matthew 5, but the Matthew 19, when you have uh, in Mark and Luke, Jesus saying the exact same thing, but without the exception in it. It's like, well, Jesus, why'd you make this so complicated? And then you've got the two in Matthew five. And so, uh, I don't know, you know, I, I've read what Piper says about that verse and, uh, that makes sense to me, but I'm careful about espousing that because I recognize that, you know, there, there are other verses in my Bible that are problematic, uh, whether it's tongues or, you know, different things. And I, and, and I always want to approach it with, the picture what what's what's the big big picture here and so there may be verses that i still cannot fully explain but i feel like i can explain the theology of what jesus or what scripture is talking about and so um you know that's an evasive answer i'm glad to sit down and tell you where i personally land i'm careful because i I, you know i want to be careful that i'm not speaking on behalf of the other elders uh when i talk about how i reconcile that particular verse. But Piper, uh, you know, you guys may may love or hate Piper, but I do think he does an excellent job on on that particular verse, on explaining, you know, what it might be. Uh, Yes, sir, in the back.
1: The question was, uh, when do the elders get involved uh, in a situation versus um, similar circumstances where we're not involved? Um, the first thing is anytime time our, our staff asks for our help, we're, we're certainly going to jump in. Um, but a number of times something will come to us because of the relationship we have. Um, it's our neighbor or it's somebody that we have a close personal relationship with. And so we'll certainly jump into those. And then circumstances where we haven't seen a circumstance like that before, uh, then we want to jump in because we feel that even with the decisions that our staff make, we're accountable for those decisions. And so we'll jump in. We've also made clear um, on, um, before anybody on staff uh, tells anyone that they think it is appropriate to move forward with a divorce, that we want them to loop us in. Um, Even if we have a track record or a pattern of moving one way or the other in a circumstance that we don't want them to take the freedom to make that decision. And so we'll get pulled into those. So anything with any form of abuse, uh, we will certainly be involved in those. Yes, ma'am.
0: Uh, So the question was, if someone lands in a different place uh, on the whole remarriage issue in a way that uh, does not allow one of our pastors to marry them or them being married here, are they still able to go through the merge and the two-on-two? And and so the answer is absolutely, because we don't feel like they're in sin. Uh, And, you know, again, assuming that they've wrestled through this well and they've landed uh on those particular passages you know differently than where we land and we we do want to extend them grace and we want to do everything we can to set them up for a great marriage and so um uh, you know we've even we we even had some confusion so we had one of these uh with with uh leaders here it was their their kids and the dad was going to give the daughter away and it fell into this category and and uh and he ended up not inviting us to the wedding and he said hey i, d- I just didn't want to make it hard for you guys to come and we're like man that just that grieves us we would have loved to have been there and celebrated with you and your daughter and your new son-in-law uh, because it it is confusing and that's why we you know we try to keep resetting it back on romans 14 because we do want to extend people grace and we recognize that there you know again there there's a lot of of uh, folks that are a whole lot smarter than me on that side and uh, on the other side and so who am i you know this is just how i how how we understand it and uh what our conviction is and and so much of it does get back to the whole um being fully convinced because of, of the accountability
1: and, and i would also just note that um A number of people that go through merge, we're not going to be comfortable at the end of merge saying we think you should get married uh, on a whole host of reasons. So we don't think it would be consistent to say, well, if if you fall in this box and you can't go through merge, well, we're comfortable engaging with people and saying we don't think this is God's best for you. Uh, But if you do it, then we're committed after you get married to continuing uh, to invest in that marriage. Yes, sir.
0: All right, so, so the question is if they land differently than we do and they go get married and and come here, can they be a member? Ab- absolutely. And, and so uh, you know, even if they fall into the category, you know, we've had folks that this was their first marriage, and so there's not any and they're both believers. and so there may not be, be any specific prohibition from them marrying, but we feel like hey, Your addiction to pornography is going to be a major issue as you get married. And so we don't feel great about you being married because of the baggage you're dragging in. Let's deal with that uh, before you get married. And they say, well, the heck with you. We're in love and we're going to get married. And so they go elope and get married. They come back here. We're like, okay, we're going to do everything we can for you guys to be the poster child of what a great marriage looks like and so you didn't take our counsel and so there may be some things we have to work through with that because uh it may be next time when we tell them hey you know something else it's like well i don't want to listen to you because once you're a member you know you're saying hey i'm i'm going to submit myself to your leadership and your shepherding and you're responsible to care for me and so i want you to speak into my life and so there may be Some things we have to work through in the process of that decision. The flip side of that, if they're here and, you know, they are uh, um, committed uh, as folks that are fallen, uh, better reconcile through Christ, then we want to do everything we can to help them. Yes, sir. Yeah, we, we have not. Uh, so the question was just, what's the reaction been from other uh, local bodies here in town? And and we really haven't gotten a whole lot. We have a number of churches we have great relationships with, where uh, you know we might have someone leave here and go somewhere else, uh, and as long as they leave well, then great. You know, go be under their care. If they don't, uh, if they leave with unresolved conflict or issues, then We have great relationships, and so we let them know hey, those folks that are coming into your body have not finished with some things over here, and so if you would push them back, or let's get together and figure out the best way to love this couple. Uh, But I think for the most part, um, you know, we just haven't gotten a lot of feedback. I think it has been for some churches helpful, you know, that we've taken a, we've tried to uh, elevate clarity in this area. But uh, but we haven't had a lot of collaboration, if you will, from that standpoint.
1: Yes, ma'am. No. I'm sorry. The question was, is it fair to say that none of our uh, staff leaders or, or elders have been divorced and, and remarried? And I know it's not safe to say that. Um, all of the elders um, are... Married once and and in their first marriage, but we have staff leaders that um, are in their second marriage and I could even have a first marriage leading to a second marriage that's not consistent with our policy Um, and we're comfortable with that. Uh, We would ask of them the same thing that we ask of any leader, uh, which is to um, teach at Watermark in a manner consistent with with our policy. Um, now, if somebody were on staff and they were going through this um, and we counseled them, and uh, they did not um, take our counsel, that could be a different circumstance we haven 't dealt with that um, and similarly we have in our in our policy, we would say that if somebody has just gotten into a second marriage that is inconsistent with our policy, then we would ask them not to lead in certain of our marriage ministries, because we think it would be difficult to be authentic and share your testimony of something that happened three months ago and then say, now I'm going to call you to do something that's different. Um, It is better to do that after a season and be able to say, this is my story, um, but I wish that I had made the decisions that were consistent with Watermark's policy because I believe that would have gone better for me. Um, But it would be rare for somebody to come on staff like at that season. Yes, sir. All right, so the question was um, in First Corinthians 7, 8, and 9, where it says, But I say to the unmarried and to widows that it is good for them if they remain even as I. But if they do not have self-control, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. And so the question is, could someone take that and say that when you're divorced, um, can someone turn to that and say, I shouldn't remain in a, in a season of singleness And once again, in that in that passage, I'm trying to find the exact verse where it speaks of uh, when you're um, to to marry. I give the instruction, not I, but the Lord, um, that the wife should not leave her husband. But if she does leave, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband and that the husband should not divorce his wife. And so I look at that in the context and say the next passage after that says, if you're divorced, um, then remain single or pursue your former spouse. Uh, and so I, I wouldn't take it in that context. Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
0: All right, so the first question was, was there anything else that influenced our policy? Uh, and, and I would say a, absolutely. You know, we we read, I read a couple of books. You know, I want the opinions of folks that I had respect for that landed in a different place, just so we could fully understand. Again, they're using Scripture and just wanting to make sure, under, you know, we understood. Some of us, we all read different things. Uh, we obviously... Uh, spent a lot of time with our staff and and specifically we had some folks on staff that had wrestled through this more than others and so making sure we were hearing and letting them speak into the process and then uh you know bo and i can both speak to this as as to tide you know I, I think uh i i would say that uh, we were not aligned you know, there, there was a lack of alignment, which is why it took so long. And I, I don't think his voice, uh, played a disproportionate share with a group of us at all. Uh, I think he did a, a great job of listening. Uh, I think his, uh, I would say, I, you know, he would say that his theology on this has uh, has evolved in a, you know, as he's, more situations as he's better understood scripture. And uh, would you say anything different to that, Bo? Uh,
1: no, I would add uh, two things uh, on the, the first question of looking at other things. Uh, I know Kyle and I even, because uh, we, we were, um, I think we had unity along the way pretty quickly on this topic. And we found books that of people that had a stance that was in direct contradiction to our stance and read them, trying to make sure that we are sensitive to every view that that we're being challenged. Uh, And then on uh, Todd's particular involvement, I think it's important to understand how we land on all these things, which is we seek unity on all things. And and on any given topic, we're going to have a a spectrum of positions from relatively more liberal to relatively more conservative. And we seek unity, and we land um, at the spot on that continuum where we have unity. Uh, And... I don't think there's any pattern of who's where on the spectrum in any given topic. And our policy also says that um, some of us, uh, as well as any on staff, uh, have the freedom to personally participate in marriages uh, with a position that's more conservative or restrictive uh, than our stance. And so there are some people that would say my personal conviction Um, under Romans 14 is I'm death only. Um, I could see where somebody else lands there. And so we have unity around our policy, but then people could be more restrictive inside of there.
0: And so just one other piece of color to add to this is, um, and and you may have picked this up in other sessions, but we spend a lot of time together. And so we feel like our responsibility as elders is first and foremost to make sure we are shepherding each other Uh, in the ways that we are committed to follow Christ and that our marriages and our relationships with our kids model what we're calling other people to. And if we're not doing that, we can't shepherd anybody else. And so as a result, we spend a lot of time together. And so there's a lot of relational trust. And so, which is great because uh, we do recognize that, you know, part of God's provision for my life are the people that he puts around me. And definitely the the others that we're leading with. And so it, it, it's been a it's been a great and, and we never try and accelerate the process. We frustrated uh, I think frustrated is a good is an okay word, our staff because it took so long. They're like, you guys are killing us. We got live grenades going off every day and you guys are over there trying to figure out where you're gonna land. And we're in the middle of this. And but we just felt like as Bo said, until we were all aligned then we don't have clarity here. And so if that takes us three years, then uh, that that's God's deal, not ours. So we may have time for one more question. Yes, sir.
1: So the question was, do we have terms uh, for our, our elders? So I'll hit the uh, the quick bullet points on, on our elder board, uh, which is um, elders appoint elders. Um, we bring it to the body to affirm it, but not to vote. Uh, we have a minimum of three elders and a maximum of 12 elders. We've never had more than five, and there is no term limit. Uh, and Kyle and Dean and Todd have been elders since 2001. Uh, we had... Two other elders that served from roughly 2001 until about 2013, still a part of our body, but felt like they got into a season where they were not able to afford the time required to say that they were effectively shepherding the flock. Um, and then Todd Kyle Dean uh, asked me to become an elder in 2013. Yes, sir. And then we're going to and then we're going to
0: come to you as the last one because I. <laughs> Uh, so y- yes, and we've done question. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. So the question was, have we looked at uh, biblical policy on homosexuality definition of marriage? Uh, and so we, we are, uh, the answer is yes. That's a, that's a live topic. We're talking about it a lot. We've put, I, I'm sure you all were introduced to real truth real quick. Have you all heard of that? Okay. So if you, uh, Look at water. Go to our website, and there's a real truth, real quick, and it's where we will, within five minutes, give a biblical answer to different issues. And so we've had two or three already on this whole area of homosexuality. You know, should I go to my gay friend's wedding? Um, uh, You know, how do I deal with the 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 cultural issues going on right now? And so we're uh, we, we do. You know, Todd. We'll put blogs out. So we are increasing the amount of information we're putting out there right now. But just recognizing the the cultural current uh, that's at play and trying to equip our staff, trying to equip our leaders, and then trying to equip our body uh, to be able to to dialogue in a winsome, (laughs) loving, but also rooted in biblical truth way. And so... Uh, would you add anything to that uh,
1: the uh, real truth real quick there's also there's an app um, on iPhones if you want to find that and there's probably 200 or so i mean 100 or so um, answers so far and on this one we have perfect unity uh, as elders we're not wrestling through the topic is we're working through um, going from having spoken more on things to get out in front of this to have something that's written uh, that would be concise yes ma'am
0: Okay, the question was, uh, have we seen any success stories of people, y- yes, that that have been divorced and that have then been remarried to the same spouse? And uh, the answer is yes. We we have one here where they've been remarried three, I think, three times. <laughs> so we did a video on them because they both talked about how they've both been divorced three times. And, you know, you know and it was good. Con- and, and I've actually had the joy of doing a wedding with my uh, uh, my own cousin who, in the midst of divorce, came to Christ, came to Watermark. Uh, through God transforming and changing him, uh, his wife trusted Christ. And in the midst of that, um, you know, four years later, uh, to a guy she said, I can't even stand to be in the same city with, got to perform that wedding. So it is really fun to see Again, how God brings dead things back to life. And just the hope that he gives us in the midst of, of uh, brokenness. And so, Bo and I will stick around. Uh, we were told to, to end at 3, and so I'll let Bo pray. But we're going to be up here, and you know, if you've got more questions or things you want to dialogue on, then uh, uh, we'll be available to,
1: to hang around. Father, we just uh, thank you for your love uh, that while uh, everything in us raged against you and rejected you, Lord, you pursued us. uh, We brought nothing and you brought us everything. And I just um, pray that we would be overwhelmed uh, with that grace and and respond with love and grace and restoration and pursuit in our marriages. I pray for every marriage in this room uh, that it would be just a model of the gospel of uh, your love for the church lord Uh, i just pray for everybody in our our churches that we would love them well that we would shepherd them well that um that we would live consistent with our convictions and know where to extend grace to others with their convictions we just thank you for your word that it uh it guides us on this topic lord you haven't left us um, alone to figure this out. I just thank you uh, for Christ and redemption. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.
0: Amen. Thank you all for hanging out with us for an hour.